everybody. Welcome to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris Quinn with my co-host. Dom DiTola. And this episode, we're going to be talking about Loot Olsen. Tucson legend, yes, Lute Olsen. Definitely. Yeah. If you, I grew up in Tucson. If you were anywhere in Arizona, you have to know pretty much everything about him. Yeah, I mean, he's put Tucson on the map, essentially, uh, by coaching uh, basketball here for two decades and being a success. Well, he made college basketball significant. And growing up here, we've actually had this conversation like college football wasn't like the big draw. It was always, always college always basketball. basketball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, their their football program is only packed 12 now team to not make a Rose Bowl. But man, it's Arizona's a basketball school, much like Duke and Kansas and North Carolina, where their football teams are kind of meh, but it's it's about basketball here. It it makes me think of that movie Speed. um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When they're he sees that she goes to like U of A and he's like, Good basketball or good football team. And it's like, wait, what? Wait, no, this is nineteen ninety four. They're straight killing it. If this was me, I'd be like, This dude's a cop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like Whoa, U of A. Yeah. Desert Swarm. Great football team they got there. It's like, no, they are you a hold up? Are you they, a narc? They had that one good year where they won the Fiesta Bowl. And, and that's what he was referencing. Yeah. It's like that one good year. But for Arizona basketball, they had 25 good years. Yeah, so. they have every year's a good year pretty yeah. much here. So a uh, very entertaining team. But uh, doing the Lute Olsen episode now, not only because he is a Tucson legend, but he uh, just recently passed um, on the 27th of August this year. Yeah. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah sad 2020 one, but... again. <laughs> yeah. Definitely had a great life. It's one of those where you look yeah. back and you're like, man, he built multiple programs too, really. Yeah, I mean, and he, he was 85. I mean, yeah. he he it, it not it's tragic that he died, but I mean, like he lived a good, full, outstanding life. Yeah. And definitely brought some pride to a city where, you know, Tucson is not a lot to be proud about, no offense. Oh, but Tom's uh, going to lay in on Tucson on no. this episode. Look, all, Don't worry. All I'm going to say is, Lute Olsen aside, Tucson is like that C student of a city, but like that C student who doesn't like try really hard like a Tulsa. Tucson's that C student that just lays back and relaxes because everywhere around him, like somebody's setting something on fire in the corner. That's Benson. Somebody's huffing glue. That's Yuma. Like Tucson doesn't have to try. Somebody's fucking a horse. That's Marana. <laughs> Damn it. But, Sorry for all the local jokes if you're not from here and don't understand. Exa- oh, I'm sure they'll get it, though, just a little bit. Yeah. But Lute Olsen, uh, let me, let, let's go back to his... his uh, Born, Born uh, September 22nd, 1934 in uh, Mayville, North Dakota. Yep. Um, he, uh, in 1939, so uh, when he was a teenager, his dad died. He was a World War I veteran. But uh, his older brother, Amos, also died in a tractor accident shortly yeah. thereafter. So, I mean, he... Well, his dad died of a stroke, mm-hmm. um, which we see as uh, genetic... Because yeah, exactly. he died of a stroke when he was 85. I think his dad was like 45 or something. Yeah, his he was dad wasn't way, very old. Yeah, he was way younger. But you see that it's hereditary, and it, it's it was definitely an imprint on his life. Yeah, and definitely... Dad and brother died, you know, in, in the span of a couple of years when you're a teenager. It's pretty wild. And then you pour yourself into farming, and you pour yourself into sports to kind of, you know... 
Yeah. And what else do you have in North Dakota besides that? That was yeah, that's it. That's that's the livelihood. They don't even have a Walmart. <laughs> I'm sure they do now. But uh uh went to Grand Forks Central, a ba- great basketball player, obviously, since yeah. he's a great coach. Uh won the 1952 state championship, uh 16 points in the championship game. Uh he was a center, which I found kind of hilarious now as how big these guys are, but well, he was like six, th- six, three, which is tall. Yes. I mean, like tall for a regular person, a regular, like yes. for basketball. I can't even imagine. But back then I feel like the average height was a lot shorter too. It was five, probably like five, eight, six. Or, yeah. yeah five, so seven. six, three, I bet he was towering over these five, seven guards, you know, white chocolate, wilt the stilt loot Olson. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you get scholarship. He goes to Augsburg college. Um, uh, Meets his wife, actually, in high school, uh, the late Bobby Olson. Yep. Um, definitely remarried a couple times after after she had died, but a uh, great woman. She's actually shares the name of U of A's uh, court. It's yeah, Newton it's... Bobby Olson Court there over at the uh, McHale Center. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, uh, she was definitely a, a wonderful woman, and the partnership that they had, you see, was one of the best, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, together now forever, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, he goes to Augsburg College, plays football, basketball, and even baseball for a year. So, I mean, I, I would love to see old film of him playing basketball. Yeah. Right? Like in those Hoosier shorts, you know, straight up boxing guys out in the paint. Grabbing those boards, man. Grabbing Who's the those center. Boards? Yeah. Windex man. Yeah. Up there. Cleaning it. <laughs> but uh, so after he graduates college, uh, he decides he wants to be a coach. And, uh, Ends up making his way out to the West Coast, out to California. Well, this is what I find interesting is he kind of has the same path as these guys who want to coach basketball and they go and become high school teachers. Yeah. And he was a high school teacher. And yeah. It, it, I find it interesting because there really isn't an avenue, even for ex players, a lot of the time to go straight into a college as an assistant or as a head coach. It, it's. It's so bottlenecked. It's very rare. Most most of the time, you'll have the former players go on now. Kind of the path is your grad assistants. Yes, like you'll become a that that's been. That, I mean, that didn't exist at the time. No, no, in basketball. So he made his way how everyone did back in the day which is through high school and then you almost had to coach high school for a decade yeah and he coached 13 years in high school and prove that you could do it which he did and this is what so many coaches did and i feel like kind of lost out on time in in not pros obviously but college in america is kind of like pros but you know what i mean he almost kind of kind of stunted the beginning of his career he did he was probably in high school for way too long well he talked about his it. talent he yeah. was he was in the i think it was like the eight nine year he was like trying to bust kids for like smoking and shit like that and he was yeah, just like i'm, I'm sick done with it. i just want to coach yeah i don't care if you're smoking it, like are you on the basketball team no yeah then i don't care if you're smoking yeah, do like, you yeah that's care. that's that was his attitude and he was like i really need to get away from high school because it's not good for them it's not good for me and that's when he gets his first job at uh, long beach yeah, long beach community long beach city college city college, so yeah. yeah so first he goes to long beach city college um in 67 and uh, to his credit by uh, 1971 they won the junior college championship yes and um people start noticing people in long beach notice i was and then gonna he say goes to long beach state right down the street and goes right down the street um he uh only coached at long beach state though for one year in 73 74 and the reason for this and he was successful i mean he had his team ranked in the top five they were yeah. 24 and two um the whole problem was and the reason he left there is he took over for another very famous yet very controversial NCAA basketball coach who's actually one of my 
all-time favorites as a fan of whack basketball and uh, non-Pac-10 schools is Jerry Tarkanian, Tark the Shark. And kind of wherever Tark the Shark goes, problems as far as players either acting out or improper benefits start coming with them. Well, this is what they said was I think five players from that Long Beach team got drafted in the in the in, in the NBA that next year. Yeah, they and, did. And, I mean, he knows how to and if you'll when we talk about U of A and yes. he, we're going to see a lot of he talent. He knows how to produce a really smart basketball players, but it's this thing where he didn't build this team, but it was kind of obvious that this team was built in a shady way it was built in a shady way and he coached them up to make them successful but you know when you take over a program where there are rumblings of probation which long beach state eventually was put on probation yep loot's like i'm not putting up with that crap i didn't do any of the stuff and i have to f- deal with the fallout yeah but luckily for him there in 1974 um iowa comes calling and the University of Iowa, known more for football and wrestling, don't really have kind of a basketball team that they can really be proud of as far as the Big Ten is concerned because that's a big basketball conference. Yeah, well, this is an interesting quote from Lute was he said, people don't go from Long Beach to Iowa. They go yeah. from Iowa to Long Beach. They and go opposite. Yeah, he was the first one that was like, I'm going to go there and make this a program, make you know, he wanted, because I feel like he was so jaded with Long Beach, he wanted it to be all his own. He didn't want to take over after somebody was really doing a bunch of stuff that was going to yeah. hurt, it, it, which is why I hate the way that punishment comes down in college. Oh, dude, same here, especially towards the players who aren't towards making the any players. money. They're punished. The coaches are punished. It was players that weren't, aren't even there at the time. Yeah. It, it's it's crazy, but it's like literally their hand, they can't do anything with it, you know? Your hands are tied. Yeah. FBNCAA, I'm just going to say you're a bunch of corrupt jagoffs, and I hope something comes and breaks you. <laughs> yes, no, it's one of the worst for punishment and for for the benefit of these student athletes, it's one of the worst. Oh, it totally is. But uh, at Iowa there, uh, yeah. coached coach there, uh, 1974 to 1983, and like you had said, he wanted to start fresh. He wanted yep. to do it his way, and he made them a very solid basketball program. A great program out yeah. of nothing. Out, like, of, out of nothing. You think of a Midwest school in this time, in the 70s, 80s, or whatever, it's – there couldn't be that many players wanting to go there, you know? Well, obviously, because you're in a conference with the likes of Michigan, Indiana, Michigan State, uh, Ohio State. Like, you got to really sell people on Iowa City. Yeah. Like, when, and to his credit, and you, we'll talk about this the next place he goes, <laughs> uh, you can see how good of a coach he is and what a builder he is. Because he had this team, his his record there was 167 and 91. Yeah. Which is incredible, which is absolutely incredible. And not only. And I think the first season he had four wins. Yeah. So the first season, if you look at how bad he did in the first season, if you take that out, like he really had a great winning percentage at a, at a team in a really hard conference. Like you think about taking over like a really like a really shitty like a Colorado State in the Pac-12 right now kind of Colorado yeah yeah and it's kind of hard to think that you would be able to bring talent and develop talent into what he did which was a final four basketball team yeah 1980 they actually made I mean they made the tournament almost every year he was there yeah making sweet 16s but 1980 was like his crowning achievement because he took Iowa all the way to the Final Four, and unfortunately um, for them, their point guard got hurt yep. during the game. And he has gone on and said, and the team believes that if he is healthy, 
they win. Well, they, they win the whole shebang bang. He was he was injured, I think, for like the first half of the season. Yeah, and then, and then came he hurt back. His knee again. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, he came back, and they were crushing teams. But yeah, it, it, it's you watch, especially in college, where teams kind of go in like two year cycles. Yeah, you see that it was like that year that team healthy would have crushed. Yeah, and they ended up losing to I believe Louisville um, in the semifinal. Louisville went on to win yeah. the whole thing in 1980, but it's a darn shame and. Uh, that they did, they couldn't pull it off because he still, you know, throughout his life, even after he stopped coaching, he had, you know, good ties to Iowa. There was no necessarily bad blood. They well, were appreciative. And you had talked about they built the new arena because of him. Well, luckily for us here in Tucson, um, yeah, <laughs> I feel like if he had gone on and won the national championship there, he probably could have stayed. He probably a, would have stayed for a longer period of time, and the Tucson job wouldn't have been open, or it, it just would have changed, you know, history. So them losing that, and then three years later, like you said, they built a pretty much new arena, which is the way that it went down, even though in Iowa they weren't really bitter about it, was kind of weird. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. built this arena. They were getting it prepped for the whole year. I think they played like half of their home games in it. And then that summer he quit and went to U of A. Which, thank God he did, because at that point, U of A was like the dregs of the oh, Pac-10. The yeah. then Pac-10. I mean, they were the worst program. But when he came, it kind of came at a perfect time for Arizona because UCLA was always king in that conference Absolutely. for basketball. But that's when they kind of started sliding and falling off a bit where they weren't the dominant teams with the dominant big men like Kareem and Walton and you know their 80-whatever game-winning streak. My dad was actually at that game where it ended. Wow. At, when they lost to Notre Dame. Wow. He said it was like the most ridiculous sports experience ever, and then like for the next week, the entire campus was hammered, so, oh, still I celebrating. Because like UCLA was winning like the entire game and this is before the free three point line so it was just like a lot of fouls and turnovers in like the last minute or so and they ended up pulling it out but yeah that's crazy well speaking of your dad you were talking about because he comes to u of a yeah he did his uh uh uh, master's and phd here that's where he met my mom my mom's a tucson local that's kind of why i'm here still (laughs) yeah yeah and well like you were saying um they watched Sean Elliott play high school. Yeah. So what? Um, Lute his first uh, first season doesn't make the tournament. No. At U of A, is... but then he starts kind of getting players, and like the key, like Steve Kerr finally comes. Uh, they were the only school to offer him a scholarship, and they start kind of getting players. And the one recruit that they had to get was Sean Elliott. And the only reason why they got him was he was a homegrown talent. He grew up here in Tucson. Yeah, my dad told me they saw him in like high school over at Choya. Yeah. Like, and, you know, Sean Elliott, if Lute Olson's not there, he probably goes to UCLA or SC. Yeah. Or he goes to another large school out west that's not Tucson. Like the joke was before Lute Olson was here, Tucson was just a place you got gas before you went to LA. Yeah. And... Once he gets Elliott, and then you get Tolbert, uh, Tom Tolbert in there, and then you get Kenny Lofton playing as the sixth man backup point guard. That was interesting. I actually, of, yeah, I went to uh, elementary school with his son for a couple of years. Did you really? Yeah, nice. he, was, he was weird. He, you know what I mean? Where like kids are just weird. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was a weird kid. That's all I can say. Kenny Lofton was one of the best base dealers and great center fielders for like a decade and a half for yeah. the Indians. I mean, I don't know if he could have, he probably could have been a bench guy playing pro ball for basketball, but 
man, what a star on the baseball field. Well, it's like we bring up these guys who are multi-sport uh, athletes who are just that great of an athlete that they can go out and be the sixth man of this great U of yeah. A team. But also, you can see he was just like that much better of a baseball player. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, longtime Cleveland Indian. Yep. You know? And uh, anyway, um, Lute starts in 83. By 87, 88, he's started, they're starting to make some tournament runs. You know, they're going to the Sweet 16. They're advancing, you know, to the field of 64, whatever. They finally have that one team together because Arizona's won nothing as far as basketball is concerned at no, this point. No, yeah. And uh, there's pictures of me, actually, because I was born summer of 87. By March of 88, I have a U of A because what they do, they make it, I have a U of A Final Four shirt. They make it all the way to the 1988 Final Four. Yeah. And that had never been done before. No, that was the first time a, a U of A, a, a team from Tucson to do anything like that, even in all sports. Yeah. That's the thing is like, we, it's been a Division One school for pretty much all its sports, but they have never been a winning school before loot came. Yeah, not a winning school for basketball. Um, their baseball team's always been awesome. Yep. You know, referencing Kenny Lofton, they've won national championships before. But... Oh, I was going to say, I don't, I don't really know anything about U of A baseball. Oh, dude, they're, they, they're always a powerhouse. Um, Interesting. I, I guess I don't really know anything about college baseball to go oh. off on a tangent, but that's just <laughs> my, you know what I mean? How I know about other sports in college, basketball, and even soccer in, in amateur, but I, I just really don't know. Yeah, they beat Hawaii, actually, for the national championship in 1980. Um, oh, okay. Hawaii has a whole little thing at their baseball stadium, like a whole um, uh, shrine to that 1980 team um, that came up short against the Cats. But yeah, the, the basketball is the big-time sport. Yeah. And for him to do that and for him to build a winning program, because now they're at the top of the Pac-10. Nobody can touch them at that time. And, um, you know, they're ready for more Final Four runs because they lost in the semifinal again. Um, I believe they lost to uh, Oklahoma um, that year. Um, if not Oklahoma, it was Kansas because that was the final game. The Wayman Tisdale and then Danny Manning for uh, the Jayhawks. In so, the 88 or 88? 88. Yeah, 88. 88. Yeah. And, uh, but what ends up kind of happening in the aftermath of that is the following year, they win all these games again, and then they lose in the – Elite Eight to Tart the Shark and the Running Rebs. Yep. And that was Sean Elliott's last game. So Sean Elliott's out, but Loot just keeps filling the talent pool with amazing players. The problem is probably for the next five or six years, and this is where I make the analogy, Loot Olsen is a lot like uh, Bill Cower as a coach, where very successful but there are a lot of times where he has these loaded teams that they just come up short for whatever reason. And yes. you saw that, you know, they lost in 92, I believe, to Steve Nash and Santa Clara when they were a two seed as a 215 game. I think that might have been the first one to happen or the second time that happened. They lost to East Tennessee State, I yeah, think, they the have, following year in a 314 game. They have a lot of ridiculous losses on teams that were if you look back, that are stacked. Yeah, they're loaded. I mean, these this is like the Sean Rooks, Reggie Geary, you know, uh, those types of teams. Yep. Uh, Brian Williams, the late Brian Williams was uh, on there. Matt Othick. I mean, they had a really loaded lineup. And just uh, Chris Mills, Chris who played Mills, for the yeah. Cavs for a long time. You know, he was really a good player. Um, Michael but, Dickerson, I mean, these are... He was a little bit he later. He was a little but bit yeah. later. But I, I just mean, these are players that came out of these... Of this U of A program that you see play on on professional basketball teams, yeah, that yeah. 
you don't really see out of other programs. You see players like come through, but not the consistency of players. Not the consistency and success at the NBA level. And I want to get to this later, but I'll just say this. Um, places like Duke, you know, they're good, but they have their system. Yeah. You rarely see Duke players dominating in the NBA or even just good as role players in the NBA like you do compared to U of A. And are, I always think Luke gets the short end of the stick compared to somebody like Shashevsky. Yeah, well, uh, well, especially with Duke, they almost don't have role players in the NBA because they're not producing those type of players. No, they aren't. Yeah. And um, anyway, um, yeah. they finally break through again, though, in 93-94. Yep. Because now you have... Um, Joe Blair, you have uh, Damon Stoudemire, who's most famous for being an all-star and also trying to take weed through an airport security and aluminum foil. My uh, personal favorite U of A player, Damon Stoudemire. Damon just, Stoudemire, uh, oh, know. yeah. Great uh, player. Mighty Mouse. Man. Mighty Mouse, yeah. yeah it, dude. I used to watch him all the time in that era. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, this is my era of watching this. Yeah. Uh, Khalid Reeves. I mean, even though he never made it in the pros, that was a dominant swing man right there. Yeah. And they parlayed that success. They made it all the way to the Final Four again. But much like, you know, the uh, his other trips, like with Iowa and then U of A before, they lost to uh, eventual national champion Arkansas. Arkansas went out and just with the Nolan Richardson, uh, what was it, 40 minutes of hell, just dominated them on the defensive front, and they couldn't, couldn't get out of their own way. I remember that one because of, and this is, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the uh, political aspect of teams. I remember Clint, yeah. Clinton being in Arkansas and, and that whole, I, I distinctly remember that because my parents have been Democrats their whole life, but they were like, fuck. <laughs> and I remember laughing so hard when I was like 12 at that because yeah. they were like, no, no, no. Like politics aside, like this is U of A basketball. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, seriously. And no. it's like a religion here. And like not to knock Tucson, but like it's what a lot of people have pride in here. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you can't hang your hat on a lot. There's no pro sports. None. This is like your team, and they're good. Well, growing up here, we used to have spring ball for baseball. We used to have the yeah. Tucson Toros was our was our local team, but they used to have spring ball, and then college basketball. Like, yeah. Literally, that was the... March was the most exciting month of the year here when yes. I come on vacation here, yes. honestly, because that's when everything was going on. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here, and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. You could get uh, U of A football tickets for like $5, and they would never sell out, and you would get like great seats because oh, nobody yeah. gave a shit. Nobody cared. Yeah. Every, but McHale, man, you, you that, couldn't. that was a hot ticket. Yeah. It's still a hot ticket. It is, yeah. I mean... But uh, one thing you got into the political thing with Clinton rem reminded me how in the early 90s, um, Olson, this was at a time when Arizona was the only state that didn't uh, do MLK Day. This is Day, exactly where which, I was going to go. By the way, there is a great in living color sketch with one of the Wayans brothers, obviously, and David Allen Greer were yep. their Arizona Cowboys, and it's an MLK one. It's so funny. No, it's perfect because growing up here, when this happened, um, there was like three... Because, I mean, I was seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there was like three opinions opinions going around that kids were sharing that obviously their parents were were sharing them, which was obviously we should be celebrating this. It's it's something that's celebrated yeah. all over. Or the other one was they're taking away our rodeo, rodeo vacation. I remember, I remember my, uh, my parents were like, 
who cares? It's rodeo. Well, this is the thing about people who live in Arizona is yeah. they would go out and take vacations places and the places would be dead. Like we went to Disneyland when I was a kid for rodeo vacation and it was dead yeah. because nobody else celebrates rodeo. And people think like we're celebrating the rodeo around here. It's like, no, no, no. We just want those vacation days where other people don't have off. Yeah. And I remember my dad was like, oh, that kind of sucks, but I- I'm still for it. And then there was the other really racist take on it well the the arizona take on it yes exactly (laughs) which as a kid you were like whoa did your parents say that and it was like yes that's where they're getting all of this i didn't live here at the time so i i have no idea what the climate was like but i'm sure there probably were a lot of people who were of the non-rodeo persuasion regarding that day but what yes what loot did which was i thought was great um he had all his players wear on their warm-up jackets MLK, an MLK patch yeah. during this time. And people didn't take kindly to it, but he was like, I don't care. Well, at the time, he was the highest paid state yeah. employee, mm-hmm. um, which is common for college basketball coaches. College or f- college, college football, College or football, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but it's one of, he had this, he had this platform to say hey this isn't right and he was absolutely correct with it oh yeah i feel like it reverberates even today with the current uh nba stuff that's going on whether you're for that or or not i mean i'm not saying that at all but i'm just saying the the ability to show unity that's what it was dude that's all that's kind of why they they did it you know to show unity and be like this is what's we need to do yes yeah but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's one of the, the stories that I didn't know. I remember it happening when I was seven. Yeah. I didn't know he necessarily did that. And it's it's why I love doing the research for this stuff is you find out. And it was a simple protest. It wasn't self-aggrandizing. Yes. And it was done within the team. It wasn't like, you know, other people on other sides glomming onto it. It was just like, this is what we're going to do. Yep. So, uh, yeah. No, it was great. It was great. But in... Uh, so after their final four run, they kind of have a little bit of a talent drain um, as far as experience because the next year they lose a 5-12 to Miami of Ohio. But then 95-96, the young talent starts to arrive again. Yep. And they get uh, eventually to the Sweet 16 and lose to Kansas. But you can kind of tell that the pieces are in place because you've got your Michael Dickerson already there. Yeah, you got Miles say. Simon there. You have, um, I think Bramlett is already there, but you know, right in the pine. And then by night, they're young. They're fr- yeah, so Jason Terry is on the bench too. We're yeah. talking about these guys and their freshmen and sophomores at this e- time. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, Jason Terry is there. And then 97, I think is when you get Mike Bibby. 96, 97, you get Bibby. And, and that's that turns it completely around they get david's bennett davidson from the junior college ranks um uh edgerson's coming off the bench as a freshman i mean you're getting these role players in there and they're young and they're streaky and they're talented but they're you know you kind of have your ups and downs with injuries i think simon missed some time for academic suspension that year i distinctly remember that and then they they were very streaky they're a young team so they didn't have a great regular season and what people forget is and i'll say this since 1997 no pac-10 or 12 uh college basketball team has won a national championship but in 96 97 the pac-10 was loaded because Arizona was really good. UCLA was really good. Cal was really good. They had Tony Gonzalez playing on their yeah. team. Stanford was really good. I mean, it was a it was a bomb-ass time to play of that era in the Pac-10 for basketball. Well, Arizona went like 11-5 and five in, in 
conference. Yeah, but, they, they finished they they finished with under 20, set, 20 regular season wins. They were nineteen and nine and finished yeah fifth in the Pac ten. Yeah, so is remarkable. Yeah, because they're really a great team. But you see how great the Pac ten was at that time. But you could kind of tell throughout that season. It's like okay, maybe not this year is the year, but man, we are loaded. So they end up going to the tournament in uh, 1997. Mm -hmm. They're a four seed. And what ends up happening is their first round game against South Alabama, they're down in the second half. Which and is, you're, you're thinking, oh, another Lute Olsen tournament favored type thing, but they come back and win. Yes. They luck out in the next round because Maryland is a 5-12 upset to College of Charleston. They're down again, and then they come back, and they're they're in the Sweet 16. But guess who they play? Kansas. Kansas with one regular season loss. And I remember the one regular season loss they had living in Colorado. I got that game for whatever reason on the radio. Okay. And they're playing Missouri, and Missouri took them to overtime, I believe, and beat them. And I remember in like my 10-year-old mind, I was thinking, like, U of A's got a chance. Missouri beat them. Somebody can do it. (laughs) Yeah. But and they Kansas was the team that everybody thought was going to go on to win. Everyone was riding their dick that year. Yes. And they, it, for good reason. Not, yeah, yeah, not, not to be negative. They, no. they were loaded. They had LaFrance, Paul Pierce, Jock Vaughn. I mean, uh, Scott Pollard, he was a good stopper for yeah. the Kings back in the day. I mean, they... A great center. It, it's, one of, it's one of these teams, like we were talking about with these older U of A teams, that just ran into a, a team that had a better day. And U of A came out hot that, that night. Exactly. They came out hot... And when you could tell, and there was a lot of times during his career, because they played kind of a more open brand of basketball under Lute. I mean, decent defense, but I mean, and, you know, good enough to stop teams, but they used their speed and ran them up and down for well, the first portion of that game. Too. I think you can see what the way Steve Kerr coaches with what Lute Olsen wanted to do. Yeah. Three-pointers, speed, youth, kind of that motion and And they would run a lot of three guard sets yes where they would take i think davidson out and they would have terry bibby simon and and dickerson yes and you would have those guys all kind of between you know six foot and six foot six just spreading the floor and i was gonna say dickerson pretty much would play small forward on any other team but the way that they were spreading them that time i mean he he was going in as as a great swing man. That was what they, because a lot of people talk shit that he only really produced great point guards. Yeah. Um, through U of A. But he produced he, great players at every position. Yes. Yes. I mean, no, it just the, the list goes on and on from the guys that we've mentioned and we're going to mention later. I was going to say there's a bunch coming later, but there that's the, the only down talk that I've heard from him was like, he only produces great point guards. Oh, and then, the fuck and then I started reading, I know. Yeah. And then I started reading and I was like, who the hell would write this? Andre like, Iguodala. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> that guy has so many championships, but it, it's, it's crazy when, because I feel like this was, cause I'm kind of going to overlap this, but this was such a great uh, statistic that I have to get into. It was he, this, this is why people said this was the starting guards at U of A, from 84, so Steve Kerr, yeah. to I think 2003, all of them went on to play um, starting... In the NBA. In, in the NBA. And that's why people were so much... So, I guess, like, 
dis- dismissive of these other role players that were coming up, these Which Luke is, Waltons, these these Michael Dickerson. Sean Elliott had a Sean fantastic Elliott's, career yes. for San Antonio. The Memorial Day miracle, remember that? Yes. Yeah, that guy went to U of A. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's I, that's why I love uh, Lou Olson and the players that he produces. Is they're so smart. Yeah, no, Ben Davis, great big ben man. Ben Davis, yeah, yeah, Jesus. I mean, but no. But yeah, we'll get back, back, into, the, back into the Kansas game. So yes. Kansas ends up kind of, you know, making a comeback as of late, but U of A, for whatever reason, successfully holds them off. And luckily for them, much like that Maryland game, the two seed in their bracket is gone. Duke lost to Providence in the uh, second round, I believe. And that's who U of A has to play in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. Yeah. Which for that year's tournament, if you don't know, all the other three uh, quadrants of the bracket, the number one seed won. They blew through all of their competition. Kentucky, Minnesota, and North Carolina all went in and dominated. Yeah. And and people thought this was going to be a four number one seed. It was, and it could have been. And it could have been if, if the Wildcats didn't do what they did. And to their credit, U of A... Like much like in the Kansas game, they came out um, really strong. Yeah. But then Providence comes back. You got uh, Austin Crozier, who played for the Pacers for a while. God, Sham, God, what a great name as their point guard. Oh, I love it. Um, they end up forcing the game into overtime, and U of A has to rally and finally come back, and they do uh, to win that game. So they're in the Final Four. It's three number one seeds. And U of A. Two of which are blue bloods in college basketball in North Carolina and Kentucky and Minnesota, which is having a weird off year. I think they, they even got on probation from the fallout of it. Yes, but U of A goes they to meet the final up. four in in uh, against North Carolina. Yeah, and I don't know if you watched. I watched this game recently. They uh, had it on Pac-12 Network. Okay. North Carolina came out came out of the gate smoking like they were kicking the crap out of. That's them. what I remember from watching it when I was you know seven or whatever. Yeah. Or, whatever but 12. uh anyway they they come out some, but u of a finally starts draining threes they finally start miles simon starts kicking it in jason Miles, terry mike and then, bibby um you know dumping it inside too but they really start the outside jason terry also played really well yeah and north carolina just goes cold and they are loaded too i mean they have vince carter i was gonna say that they was the had vince antoine carter. jameson i mean this is they made the final four the following year yeah. i mean this was this this was dean smith's actual last game as head coach they ended dean smith's career yeah. this young ridiculous upstart team ends his career and they end up going to the final and playing defending national champion kentucky where nobody thought they had a chance no everybody thought because they were kind of squeaking by against these teams. Yeah. You know, like they went to overtime. And but you know what? I think that helps your psyche in sports when you play a lot of close games like that because it teaches you you're never out of it. Yeah. Unlike a Kentucky who that year was just so loaded. I mean, they had almost everybody coming back. It teaches year. you re- resilience and it really brings the, the group together. This is before Rick Patino started paying women for abortions, you know, that uh, that type of thing. He's yep. rolling. He's ready to go to and fail with the Boston Celtics. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. The, the stories of coaches doing bad shit makes you look at people like Lute Olson and creating these programs yeah. out, of, out of genuine, like, hey, come here and play basketball. Not like, hey, uh, I don't even want to get into the ridiculous shit that he did at Louisville. <laughs> oh my God! That, and 
yeah horrible setting up hooker party those types the hooker of parties yeah, yeah it, it's it's ridiculous so they go on to so they're playing kentucky and it goes to overtime yeah they they play them tight all the way u of a honestly could have won in regulation yep. uh i think anthony epps hit a big three for kentucky to kind of tie the game i was gonna say i saw the end of this i didn't watch the north carolina one but then they end up going to overtime and at that point a lot of people were thinking like oh kentucky experience all this other stuff they're going to pull through but, but you, it was the exact opposite u of a ended up winning and they won on all free throws yeah they got kentucky to get foul happy and they ended up sinking and they to their credit they made those free throws but, at the and most crucial times this is what again lute olsen type players extremely great guards great shooters and great under pressure fundamental fundamentals fundamentals man i mean and that's probably why they carved out longer careers in the NBA than they would have had they gone to another program. Yes, exactly. And he's finally a champion. And it's all I always think it's weird though. I mean, basketball granted, the tournament is so hard to win just because it's you got to win 6 in a row just to do it. Yep. But if you look back at his U of A teams, that one probably only cracks the top 10 yeah, as they're far not as a, regular season, not honestly. Not a great team. Not they're but a, a talented team, but it's not there yet, which makes the next year so much more disappointing because nobody left. Nobody graduated. Well, it, before we get into the next year, I want to get into the celebration. So I got yeah. a little I got oh, a little good. I got good. a little I'm, tangent I'm stoked, story. Dude. Yeah, because I wasn't here when it happened. I was so uh my wife, um, her family was Catholic and there they somebody went to went to their church, um, needed a car. And my wife's mom bought a new car, so she gave this family their old car. Yeah. Um, these people used to have like a hot dog cart. She couldn't remember exactly what it was, okay. but it was like a food cart of some kind. And they were down there selling food for the game and shit. Yeah. And then they won. Oh, dude, riots probably broke out riot everywhere. riot broke out, and they flipped the car and torched it. No! And the next morning, they saw in the paper my... My wife's mom was like, I think that's our old car. Oh, and no. then they contacted the family. Obviously, the family was like super poor. Oh, no, and like, dude. Whenever you think, every time I think of people getting their cars flipped and destroyed and like property down there, I always think they're fans. It almost it's never, never. It's never the it's fans. Always it's always people, people looking for an excuse to riot. That's what it is. No, no. I mean the the people whose cars get messed up. Oh, it is. It totally it's is. It's always yeah. people that are working down there are just like, God damn it fuck this team yes like, no so I've, the church went out and got them a, another car but it was it's one of because you could see i think it was the only car that was torched but oh no. my wife was just like yeah we woke up and was like i think that's our car you know how things you know that show that's so raven that's so tucson yes like, i mean god but everywhere everywhere that like i think of boston when they're oh, when they win Obviously, the Red Sox. And there's and, duck boat tours. and oh. Yes, yes. The ridiculousness that comes from championships. Do you know what's wild? Speaking of sports riots, because I've, I've only seen it twice, when the team loses. So Vancouver's been to the Stanley Cup Finals, I think, twice. Okay. Twice since I've been alive. And both times they've lost in Game 7s. And both times, for whatever reasons, their city just goes up in flames, dude. Like it's a Guns N' Roses concert and it, it just walks off the stage. Yeah, base, it, yeah it, it, it inspired me to write that that's why I want the Utah Jazz to win a title joke because I want to see Mormons riot yes, and just exactly. lose their shit. Exactly. Anyway, back to, back to, back, back to post-97 because it was a magical run and Lute Olsen 
like Bill Cowher finally gets his championship. Yep. You know, on a team that probably wasn't his best, but goddamn, he coached them so well. Well, that's what happens with college basketball, I feel like, is... It's the, the hot team. It's the hot team. It's always the hot team. Yeah, not necessarily the best team, especially with these kids. They're kids at this point. They're, yeah. you know, I mean, sometimes you see a 30-year-old and they're running the point, but you're like, hey, that guy's bald. <laughs> but <laughs> that guy's got her LeBron James hairline. Yeah, exactly. But they're kids, so they, they streak. They go into ups and downs. So, mm. And that's what we see the next year. Which pissed me off so much because everybody's back. They're all better. And they roll through the Pac-10. Yes. I mean, they, they are... Still a good Pac-10, too. They are straight up, you know, destroying people. Yes. And they're I, that they're the number one overall seed. I mean, they're raring and ready to go. And the, for the first round, second round, Sweet 16, you know, they won handily all three of those games. Mm-hmm. And then they run into Rick Majerus in Utah. <laughs> and a weird zone. A very weird zone. And they go cold I've, in that it, game. That's, this is where I feel like why zone is so effective is you run into a team of shooters and they go cold. And exactly. You're just like, you can't do anything now. And that that game, I remember, I watched some highlights of it, is such a... It's sad. It's sad. You can see it on the players' faces. Because you, you know that's the end for them because now they're all juniors and seniors, or in Bibby's case, a sophomore who's ready to jump to the NBA. Yes. And you're not going to stay when a bunch of other people are jumping when you're Bibby. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the cool thing. I mean, that's the saddest part is you know that they're leaving, but in the back of your mind, if you're a U of A fan, you know we have Lou Dolson, and he's going to get good players after this and make some runs after. And you have Jason Terry coming back because he can finally start yes. now that Bibby's gone, so he can showcase and become the eventual lottery pick and successful NBA player that he was. Yes. And uh, to to their credit, um, the next year. They lose, I think, a 3-14 matchup in the first round. But then you stun us 2000-2001. After that up-and-down season, you get uh, – or 98-99, you had that. And then 99-2000, they lost again as in one seed to Wisconsin. But then 2000-2001 is when you get Gardner, Jason Gardner, Arenas, Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas. You know, Lauren Woods is on that team. I mean, they are straight – ready to go well with with arenas it brings up another great point is he would get these players who are not like steve kerr who are not highly uh scouted from high school gilbert arenas wasn't he was only almost a nobody was nobody and i and, think reuben douglas was rated ahead of yes him recruiting wise yes. yeah and that's the thing was loot sees these potential and gives guys opportunities to fulfill their potential and that's why he's one of the best college coaches coaches ever and that that was probably my favorite u of a team honestly because they were just so much fun to watch yeah and they start rolling in the tourney as a two seed and they make it they beat michigan state in the final four and they end up playing duke and some questionable uh calls in that game in favor of mike shashevsky somebody uh doing some stuff to gilbert arenas i remember that uh, didn't look too legal on the replay i can't tell you how angry my father was you know how Oh, dude my dad was he calls a shashevsky rat face yeah there's (laughs) there's nothing like dad anger at a sporting (laughs) event that's going like to not even a sporting event but that the refs are having a hand in yeah that oh oh my dad anger and that level is fucking scary when that it's weird because my dad like never talks watching games yeah but like whenever duke comes on all that rat face douchebag like it's hilarious 
But no, uh, Luke Walton was a great player. He had finally started, uh, you know, coming up there and getting some significant minutes for him on that team. I mean, they were being a passing power forward. Yeah, but bringing up Luke is the the another group of players that went on to become coaches. Yeah, and that it, it, we see these players who are so smart and understand the game so well. Luke and Steve Kerr. Um, they just go on, and he had a bunch of other uh, players who didn't play NBA that went on to to coach. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying, like he he created a program a, a program the right way to create players that were NBA ready, and not only NBA ready, but just successful in other areas of life. It didn't even yes. have to be the NBA. Like um, the the sad part about that though was is that was his last Final Four. Yes. 2001 and. They had some near misses. I remember 03, I was heartbroken when they lost to Kansas. Yeah. That because F Kansas and Roy Williams now at North Carolina. Like that that 03 team was loaded because Igadala and Hassan Adams were freshmen and they were really flashing. And then two years later, uh Salim Stoudemire's finally draining threes. Yeah, Damon Stoudemire's cousin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had a he had one of the I wouldn't even say it was great, but he had one of the funnest three pointers to watch oh so dude and he's lefty the, too yeah he's oh, lefty man. it's the highest arc and yeah. when it goes in it almost like it looks like it dropped from the ceiling and then kind of the 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 as bad as that kansas loss was in 05 when they blew that huge lead against illinois when they had channing fry yeah. and oh my god another great big man to come out yeah not he, a center but a power forward i would say but he wasn't dominant in the nba but he played for like 15 years that's what i mean these guys who were could play on on NBA teams. And he was a starter for a lot of the time, a bench player for a lot of the time. You look at Andre Iguodala, though, I think he has the most championships out of out of a U of A player. Yeah, I, I wish he had stayed more than two years yes. here. I mean, but you could tell like that he last, was ready. Yeah, he was ready to go after his sophomore year. Well, there are these guys who are athletically ready and not skill wise, which I felt like he was when he first came, like yeah. freshman, sophomore year. But then his skill kind of took over and it was like, no, nah, I need yeah, to Yeah, by the end of his sophomore year, yeah, you were just like, whatever. <laughs> Why would I give up a couple of million dollars to come back? Like, it was no, a lottery pick. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, no offense to, you know, U of A and you know but apparently because i had looked up this stat uh 17 first rounders 22 yep. nba championships he coached them up and the players who played in the league made 1.2 billion dollars yeah i thought that statistic Good was crazy god yeah but uh yeah so after he coaches a couple more seasons they really don't get back in the form and he starts running loot starts running into health issues well in 2000 i believe in one Oh, his wife Bobby died Bobby in two thousand one, right before they went to the national championship game. Yeah. So it's it's you see that season, yeah, yeah. You see, it, stuff kind of start to deteriorate a couple of years down. He gets remarried, but then ends divorces, up, and divorces, then marries again. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's his life post Bobby is a little bit, um, but even his grandkids, his grandkids coach too. Yeah, his yeah, his granddaughters. Granddaughter. Yeah. In the WNBA, she was like assistant coach of the year or some shit like that. Yeah, and then one of his sons, or not his sons, but his uh, grandsons uh, coaches with the Rockets. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a whole kind of coaching tree yeah. for them. But he, uh, yeah, he's out by, I believe, 06, 07. I think that's his last year at U of A. It and was weird as shit because, so just to go back as the way the way it went down, he 
10 minutes before tip-off, they announced he wasn't going to be on the bench. And people were like, whoa. And, yeah. then, and then they announced it didn't have anything to do with health because he was old at that. He was yeah, like 75. still old. And then the next day, he came out and said he was getting a divorce from his wife. Yep. And then the next day, he came Stroke. out and fired his assistant. Oh, uh, Roseboro. Yeah, Roseboro. who'd been with him forever. Who was the... He was like the guy who was going to take coach over. Coach and waiting. Yes, coach and waiting. And then they brought in O'Neal. Which was... An angry man <laughs> yes yes which was a mistake and people said that that's when he really needed to step away from the game and he did yeah he eventually did and he had that stroke yes. too at that time and you could tell it was and it was sad because i mean his overall record at u of a was 589 and 127 like, well a couple of statistics he has the best winning percentage outside of john wooden in the pack 10 yeah and it, it that's that's it. Those are the two Pac-10 coaches that you would put in. Oh, yeah. There's only two. Yeah. And like I had said before, if you don't know this, U of A winning the national championship in 1997, that is the last Pac-10 school to win a national. It's been over 20 years yeah. since the, someone's won it all, which I find absolutely insane. But Well, you see the other programs have kind of dropped off. Yeah. UCLA. It's kind of everybody's game now again. Yeah. And maybe U of A needs another Lute Olson. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, Sean Miller's good, but there's various things. That one year made me so mad. Not, I mean, not even the year that they took out the Aztecs in the Sweet 16, but <laughs> 2011. Kemba Walker, oh, you do. Oh, you dick. Yeah. Like, San Diego State is loaded. You got, you know, Franklin and uh, Kawhi Leonard is, in, you know, obviously going to jump to the NBA. I wish he stayed longer. One and Dunner. You had two years. Was he yeah, two? Okay. Did two. But um, in that game, they called a, a BS flagrant foul because I was excited because Arizona was the two seed and San Diego State was a three seed. So I was thinking, if, if, oh God, Arizona's going to beat Duke. God damn it. Please, San Diego State, win this game so yeah. they can play each other. And it didn't end up happening because the official stepped in and ruined my dreams and that stupid Kemba Walker in the next round against the cats. Yeah. Oh God. But that's the worst. That's where you get that dad anger coming from. You oh, know? I, I, I had the red ass yeah. for that for the next two weeks. It's, yeah. oh, it's the worst. The refs interfering in games is worse than outright losing. Yeah. And then Connecticut goes on probation shortly thereafter. Hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my family, the two, schools that we always rooted for was Connecticut and U of A. And oh, yeah. They went on probation and you just didn't hear us rooting for Connecticut anymore <laughs> because that was something my dad always hated was these programs that were just dirty as shit. Yeah. It's yeah. just not, it's not what oh, college it was, basketball was, you know? Yeah. And Luke kind of avoid, managed to avoid a big part of that. Yeah. And that's kind of what made him so special and why they kind of had those two off years after he left where they had yes. the replacement coaches and then they finally get Miller. But you know, even after that, he was a pillar in this community. I mean, he stayed. I mean, there were probably multiple times where he could have left either to the NBA or a bigger and better program, particularly after that first Final Four run. Yes, definitely. definitely. There had to have been offers on the table. I'm sure UCLA probably tried to get him at oh, least once. Um, at least Without once. a doubt. UCLA, USC. Because he loved John Wooden. He yeah. probably would have loved to have coached there. But he stayed here when a lot of people don't. And that's... That's what made him special. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's why people love him here is because there were probably plenty of other opportunities for him. And he said, no, this is what I built. 
you know, McHale Center was rare and ready to go for him. I mean, he turned that into the place to be on campus. Not the football stadium, but yeah. the basketball arena. Yeah. Which probably seats a court, not even a quarter, probably an eighth of what the football stadium seats. Yeah. And this is why it's so hard to get tickets is a shit ton of white hairs grab them. And well, you, you know so why? Hard. My parents explained this to me, actually, is so like my dad they lived here until 86. Mm -hmm. So like the year before I was born, um, they lived here. And when they started dating in the early eighties, um, nobody wanted to go see the basketball team. Sure. They're a shitty team. So what ended up happening was like the only people that wanted to see them were all the old people here for the winter who come here for the winter. Oh yeah. So they bought all the season tickets and they just held on to them. That that's specifically why it's like a geriatric convention. A lot of the times in there outside the student section Yeah, is, in the early, they just never gave them up and kept them in their family. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, why not? That's the thing. That's the perfect time to buy season tickets for a, a team is when they're on the downswing. And I bet in 86, you know, with, with loot coming in, they were just like this. 83, could. yeah. Well, yeah, with him turning it around at that point. But yeah. Yeah, but they, they, that's why it's... You, they, you couldn't give them away, they said, yeah. back in the day. And all the old people were like, I'll go to the game. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but thank you, Lute Olson, man. Yeah. You you just you know seven time Pac twelve Pac ten coach of the year. He won the FIBA World Championships in nineteen eighty six. Yep. I mean five Final Fours total, one with Iowa, four with Arizona. I mean twenty consecutive twenty win seasons. That's a program that you know is a staple. The only year he didn't make the tournament at U of A was his first year. Yep. They had the longest streak going until that first year with Miller. Yeah. Um even And now yeah. uh, North Carolina I think has it. Yeah. But yeah, he has it, he has all these statistics that he's put in the exact right place for me that he should like he has um one less NCAA uh tourney win than John Wooded and one more than Bobby Knight. Yeah. It, it's just he is the the Pac ten coach of the eighties, nineties, early two thousands. Easily. Nobody could touch it. He's called you know, everybody wants to ride uh Shashevsky's dick or like Bayheim, but like no, no, sports exist west of the Mississippi. I'm sorry. And yeah. Lute Olson is definitely in that conversation. A lot of that has to do with the T V rights and how they get screwed over in the Pac Ten with that. But I well, mean, the, that's another Well, and the ESPN just and, basically yes. being a mouthpiece for the big East. Yes, so exactly. I mean, yeah, you and got ACC and Dick Vitale. I was going to say being, ACC. Yeah, Dick Vitale just being the if the if Dick they Vitale wear blue on his knees, just slurping them up. <laughs> yeah, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. He can't get enough of those. But it's it, it even is more of a testament to him building this program that he did it almost in the in the face of adversity. You know. Oh yeah, like you know, this is where you gas up before you hit LA. Not and anymore. God, I saw the interviews though, because like we said, he just recently died about a month and a half ago is that he um they were interviewing former players talking about him and they were just so distraught yeah. i mean you could see how much he meant to their lives like ben davis his was particularly sad he just broke down and cried like it was you could feel it through the screen honestly yeah well steve kerr when he won his first uh, championship yep. of the warriors it was the first name out of his mouth was lute olson it was before phil jackson yeah. i don't know if he was going chronologically but the first name out of his mouth was lute olson yeah. which is psh, amazing yeah no, amazing company to be in yeah gotta give it up to lute olson man yeah seriously uh rest in peace sir thank you for making tucson uh proud of itself thank you <laughs>
Yes, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to that podcast. This is just a stock message at the end of all of our podcasts, so we hope you enjoy. You listen to whatever athlete that was. Give us a follow at the Sports Experience Podcast on Instagram. Also, myself at Sequin Comedy on Instagram. Also, Totola Dominic on Instagram. Just follow us all around. If you have any suggestions for any athletes you want us to do, shoot us an email at the Sports Experience Podcast at gmail.com. And we always are recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much.